Hey everyone, if you're a regular listener of the show, I hope you'll consider joining my Patreon community. It's a great way to support the show and get extra exclusive episodes, including Digging for Justice, my DC movie rewatch podcast. Bonus episodes are available beginning at the $1 level, you can cancel anytime, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Visit patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. Thank you to all patrons. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the Superman movie serials, 1948's Superman and 1950's Adam Man vs. Superman, both starring Kirk Allen, is returning guest and host of the Krypton Report podcast, Tyler Patrick. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, thank you. I, you know, I love coming back. I love talking Superman. And I actually, I also like, we've talked before, I always like talking the underdog, you know, just kind of mining or digging for that um that that treasure you know like you said we're talking about the serials and um you know and we got some cool points to bring up in in our chat today but you know one thing is i I was thinking about this because you know i i used to be in a band and that's a whole other thing but anytime like you discover a band and it's like oh this is their third album you're like what i always want to like go back and listen to the old stuff you know, and to me, it's like if you're a Superman fan, it's like you kind of want to go back and sample the old stuff to just kind of get a sense of where this character has come from, how it was interpreted. And that's part of like going into the serials. I looked at it um, for any Superman fan. I'm going to say this. If you're a Superman fan, at least watch. Two episodes of the the um, the, the serials we're going to talk about. I would recommend if you're only going to watch to watch the first two of Adam man versus Superman. So you get a sense of this was a Lex Luthor type um, and this was Superman. So you at least have a sense of where these characters came from on film, because this is the first filmed uh, version. And I'm excited to chat about it. Yes. As am I now prior to this, this was the first time that I watched both serials in their entirety. So prior to this, I had only ever watched the first few chapters of the first serial. And I did that Same. last year when we, when we broke down the, the tellings of the Superman origin story across did, time and media. We did uh, the first two when I realized we watched the first one and I realized there's not that much Superman. So we did the first two when what we did this thing every, um, fall we would do what's called we called pilot season where we look back at just the pilot of different kind of film iterations of the character and then you and i had discussed on a previous episode about lex luthor uh from the adam man superman and that's all i had watched of that one gotcha okay so yeah so going into this you know that was all i had ever seen of it and to your earlier point you know, one of the things that I love doing on the show is closing gaps within my fandom. And this was definitely one. And I would venture to say that for a lot of Superman fans out there, this is probably a blind spot. I'm not speaking for everyone, of course. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have watched these and love them and and own them on DVD like we do now. But I know this was definitely a blind spot for me for a while. And, And just the sense that I've gotten from talking to people and seeing lists online of the best Superman actors and not seeing Kirk Allen even on the list. I think it's fair to say that this, this has become a bit 
you know, lost to time and a bit of a blind spot, even for those of us who love the characters so much. So for this episode, you know, we'll share our thoughts on the, those two serials and shine a light on this a little bit. And, and in fact, I know you did an episode on your podcast on Kirk Allen and you called it the forgotten Superman. Yes. Um, I had two years ago time, you know, how time's been. Uh, I had the honor of doing a, an episode where I got to interview Jim Hambrick uh, with his daughter, um, Morgan, who are the owners, operators of the Superman Museum. And Jim talked, Jim's wedding, Kirk Allen was the best man. He actually knew him. And one thing that he told me, Jim said about Kirk was he says, don't let people forget me. You know, and I have, I, you can't see it, but maybe you can't. Okay. My, oh, I can see it. I can see the, the yeah, photo the Kirk of Allen. Kirk Allen. Yeah, that's my Kirk Allen representation. And then I have a poster of George right here you can't see because um, I try to represent every Superman actor somewhere in this room. Um, and even my dad, like my dad, you know, came by one day and he saw my George poster. That's the first Superman. And I was kind of, am I, you know, my dad's older, um, of course, but, you know, and I, I didn't want to be like, no, dad, <laughs> but um he he gets forgotten um because you know the movie serials like it wasn't on tv it's something that wasn't rerun i didn't even learn about these serials i'll be honest i did not learn about these serials until 2006 watching the superman documentary the look up in the sky yes piece that came out uh, along with superman returns right right yeah because you know they, they've not i don't Maybe they've been shown on TV. Maybe like when AMC used to show like uh, the old stuff, like the three stooges in the mornings, maybe they were aired. Okay. I, I don't know. I just know they weren't streaming until DC universe, which is gone. And we say this every time we chat, how much I miss DC universe just for this type of stuff, the old um, and the rare things. And this isn't even on Tubi. We've also praised Tubi for Superboy. <laughs> um, so it is something that you have to seek out. Um, you said you and I both have purchased the DVDs. I, I own the Batman serials too, just because it's part of the history of these characters. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Also, I mean, you know, the cool fact is Kirk Allen would later appear as Sam Lane in Superman, the movie on the train and Noel Neal, the first Lois would be uh, Lois's mother, which started the trend of a previous Lois being the current Lois's mom, which I think is just an awesome uh, trend. I don't, I'm just, I don't know who, like, I don't think Kate Bosworth should ever play anybody's mom, but if we had to fit her in there, I guess she could be Bitsy Tullock's mom, like in a flashback or something. But. But listen, we I think we found a little bit of redemption for Kate Bosworth when we covered Superman Returns. <laughs> Maybe I, just I, a little bit. I know bit. you tried, buddy, but <laughs> just a little bit. She is the she is the bottom of my lowest, and she will forever be there. I even rank Leslie Ann Warren above her. But, all right. Well, the the fact that Kirk Allen and O'Neill would have that cameo in Superman the movie that's one of the fun bits of trivia that I know. The fans, you know, always like to talk about, and the other maybe sort of claim to fame for these serials is that, and we talked about this when we discussed uh, the couple of chapters in that Luther episode that we did a little while ago. That uh, in these serials, when Superman flies, he is animated; he is rendered as a cartoon. 
uh, since they didn't have the budget and or technology to properly show him flying. Although in the second serial, you do actually see him physically flying, usually from the torso up. Sometimes you get even even wider shots, but it's it's kind of akin to what the Adventures of Superman show would, would do. But they still utilize the animation for the longer flying shots. One shot of him like in a wide angle. But they also, in the second one, and I know we'll break it down more, they did more creative stuff with the animation is they actually had one where he flies in like and he kind of like turns feet first and then they cut to Kirk feet first landing. And um, it was cool to watch them back to back just to see where they did take a little bit more advancement. And then I was going to tell you this. I don't know if you've caught this or you haven't looked back for a while, but the other kind of reference to Kirk Allen is in Superman, the animated series. Uh, If you remember, when Martha and Jonathan find baby Cal and they take him on the ship and then she's thinking of names, she goes, what about Kirk? Oh, that's Chris? right. That's right. Okay. And it's, it's both, you know, paying tribute um, to Superman who had come before. I had forgotten that. Th- no, thank you for that. So uh, the last little bit of table setting is what the heck is even a cereal in the first place? So oh, yeah, we, we, maybe, we, maybe we should have got that. So maybe. theatrical serials. So each of these, Superman serials was comprised of 15 chapters of approximately 10 to 15 minutes in length each. And again, these were theatrical exhibitions. So they were shown at the movie theater. And, you know, this was long before our time as, as moviegoers, but it used to be like you would make a day of it and you would go to the movie theater and you would have your serials and your newsreel and some cartoons and your, your, your feature. And maybe it was a double feature. Like you made a day of it. That and you had awesome. these different things. <laughs> I know that's the thing, I, you know, in, in watching these and in thinking about it, it's like, man, like that, it's probably a lot of fun. Like you spent the day at the movies. And then you had to go back next week to see the next chapter in this theater. Yes. Yes. Cause at the end of each chapter, it reminds you to come back next week at this theater for the next thrilling installment of Superman or Adam man versus Superman. So, so this was a thing and I did a little bit more, just very light research into the uh, into the serials. And I believe it was sort of like from the 30s to the 50s. And on the DVD, actually, there's a little featurette where they interview uh, Noel Neal and some Superman uh, and film uh, historians. And they talk a little bit about how these serials kind of came at the end of that era. Because yeah. now we're entering the period of time, that, you know, the late 40s into the 50s, where TV is emerging, right? Well, so you're not mm-hmm. having those serials the way that you were. So this while these were very popular, this kind of came towards the end of that, of that era. Well, you know, one thing was when I was reading it is Adam man, Superman was actually the most successful financially serial ever produced. Um, you know what, actually I had a question about that and I, I, I didn't find an answer again. I did not do it a real deep dive into this. So I apologize if I'm being ignorant, but cause I, I heard that too about how, how popular it was and how successful financially I mean, my understanding was you bought a ticket for the day at the theater. I don't think people were people buying tickets for the serial specifically, or was it more just that the theaters were paying the the fee to license it or whatever? And and, and see that is baffling to me, because um, I don't I don't know how you would if there were you know there weren't multiple pictures, maybe two movies or something like. Um, and I, I thought about that. I was like, man, I really wanted to dive in more of just the the art of the serial you know um because technically like you know three stooges were shorts they weren't because they weren't connected you know um 
And when I think about serials, I think about, you know, the, the Batman serials, the Superman, the Shazam serials. And then to go back with what you said, Superman, Adam man was 1950. 1951, we get Superman and the mole men movie. Mm-hmm. And then 1952 starts the adventures of Superman TV series. So, yeah, I, I didn't even think about it until just now about how late these serials came. And, and then the other thing was I got thinking about the way the serial like is done. Did they film it all and then chop it up in a post, you know, because the way it connects and the way it flows and stuff, or like, were they like, we're filming this scene today or like, and you know, from your, your discussion about how they even shot the adventures of Superman, how uh, the production was behind that film. So it's always curious to me to think about, um, especially like later on, as you start seeing where they're reusing footage. Yes. Um, for certain <laughs> scenes and shots. And I'm like, okay, all right. Yes. I want to circle back to that because yeah, there are a couple of really funny instances of that. So these two serials, 1948's Superman chronicles, the origin chronicles, Kal-El's arrival on earth, his departure from Smallville arrival in Metropolis debut with Superman and then pits him against the spider lady, the head of Metropolis's underground crime syndicate. She's trying to recreate this reducer ray that will allow her to annihilate any target and, and thus hold the city country world uh, hostage. So that's the first one. And then the second one, Adam Man versus Superman, pits Superman against Luther, uh, who has this this uh, disguise as as the Adam Man. And, and he has... A variety of inventions, which which we'll talk about. <laughs> he lives up to his title as as a as a mad genius. Now, I'll give my overall take on this, and I and I want to get yours as well. I want to talk about just sort of our just our reactions to watching these. So, I shared this with you. We were messaging about this leading up to the recording. I I'm glad that I took on this viewing project. I'm glad that I've seen them. I really can respect and appreciate their place in the Superman canon. They deserve a lot of credit for being the first live action depiction of these characters. And in the case of Luther, like we mentioned uh, you know, a few episodes ago, this was the first time outside of the comics and the newspaper strip that he was represented. He wasn't in the Fleischer cartoons. He wasn't on the radio show. So it deserves a lot of credit. There's a lot about the Kirk Allen performance that I like, other aspects that I didn't, and we'll talk about both, but it definitely deserves credit for its place. And I also want to say I can really, the one thing I kept reminding myself of was, man, if I were a kid, a teenager, a young adult in the late forties and early fifties, having read the Superman comics on the newsstand, and then I went to the movie theater and I, I got to see this every week. I'm sure this was a really, really cool. And I, I can yeah. appreciate that. All that being said, watching it, the way I did, I, I watched the first serial over three nights. So I broke it up, you know, basically did five a night. And then I split the second serial up into, into two viewing sessions. So I think I did um, seven and eight, I want to say. Uh, or it might have been a, a little a little bit uh, un, more unbalanced. But anyway, that's how I did it. So basically five nights to watch these 30 chapters total. And... I, they were, it was a slog to get through. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was kind of tough. It really tested my, my patience at points, mostly due to the nature of the serial, 
right? These were very formulaic. They were very repetitive, very, oh, yeah. very repetitive. <laughs> and they were not designed, you, you know, you said this to me and this was a very good point. These were not designed to be binged. Yeah. You know, these were meant to be watched, you know, a, a week apart. You watch one, you come back to the theater the next week, you watch the next chapter. Maybe you don't see every single one, right? Maybe you don't get to the theater every week. So watching it the way I did did not really set myself up for success. And so I think most of the quote unquote problems that I had or most of the roadblocks to my enjoyment, I really think just had to do with the nature of the serial itself and the way I watched it. And the other piece of this that I kept bumping up against, and I'm sure I'll say it a lot in this episode, was it was impossible not to compare this to the George Reeve show. Which, as the audience knows, you know, I only really discovered over these past couple of years, but fell in love with. And in the comparison, these serials fell short for me. But, you know, that's not fair to knock them for that. But at the same time, it was really hard to not have the George Reeves Adventures of Superman show in my head. So that's my overall take. What about you? Um, so as, as you and I had chatted before, I'm on an adventure like I'm about to I was I started watching Superboy. Like, and I was going to watch the George Reeves show, but I told myself I wasn't because I wanted to watch the serials into Superman, Mole Man, and then start the Reeves show and kind of watch that progression because the serials is kind of like, it's our first time doing this. How do we do it? And they're working things out. Um, so I'm watching these. And like you said, I, I had planned initially just to start later or earlier and do like two a day or, you know, three, like break it up. But then time got away from me and here we are. And so I had to, I think I started Wednesday. <laughs> so I watched Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then this morning. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and okay. I finished this morning. Um, and yeah, some of it was challenging because they're not made like we are where, you would almost like, I think they could be edited to be a little bit more binging, but because each one starts with a recap of the last episode and everything and the way they progress. And I told this to my wife and let me grab my notes. I said, <clears throat> I said, so I'm watching these. She's like, well, how is it? I'm like, well, this is how it is. After the first episode, ready? Superman shows up, saves Lois and Jimmy. They go to Perry's office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk, talk, talk. They get some exposition. Something happens. Hijinks happen. The, the, the unknown people in suits get Lois and Jimmy. Superman comes in. Cliffhanger. Come back to the theater. Repeat. Like, I mean, every episode. I think there's, there's one episode that ends where Lois and Jimmy are saving Superman. And I was like, yeah. Because I was like, holy crap. Every episode, Jimmy's like, hey. Lois tied up Lois in the fire. I'm just like, it, like you said, it became so formulaic that I'm like, okay. And then I think they found a little bit more of their groove in the second one because Lois takes on a bigger role in the second movie. Um, you know, Adam man. And honestly, I will be 100% swear to the Lord right here. I recommend watching this just for the charm of Noel Neal because she was my favorite part of both of these. I wanted to burn Jimmy's hat in the fire 
And one of the funniest things happened when watching these, I told my wife, I said, Perry White never leaves his office. She goes, well, maybe there's not another set. I'm like, no, no, there is a set outside his door. And then literally that's the one episode that Perry gets punched and goes out of his office. And yeah. (laughs) And so I'm just like, okay. I was like, and once you, I step back, like, okay, if I was a kid watching this, how would I feel? You know, and like you said, if you missed last week's episode, starting with the recap, yes, because this isn't like there's no way to re-see these, you know, right? maybe a theater later on will show them. But it's not like now we are so blessed to be like, oh, I purchased it on iTunes or it's now on Hulu or it's on the CW app, you know, or, hey, it just dropped on a, a streamer. I can binge it all like you missed it. That's it. I know. It's funny. I've, I don't know that I've ever t- said this on this show, but I, I always cite this example, non-comics related, but there was this NBC show, Third Watch, in the early 2000s about firefighters, police officers, and paramedics, and I, and I enjoyed it, and I would watch every week, and I remember one week, it was the news cut into it, like in the, in the third act of the show, and, uh, and I never knew what happened in that episode <laughs> for years. <laughs> Because <laughs> the only thing you had, I mean, was maybe if they they played it over the summer and you caught it. But so so yeah, no. So uh, you know, your your point is well taken. And actually, going back to something that we touched on earlier about its availability subsequent to that original theatrical showing, uh, I feel like I saw some someone commenting either on IMDb or somewhere about watching it on Turner Classic Movie. So I guess there was some, you know, some sort of. Uh, See, I can, I can see that later on. Yeah, you know, later on. Yeah, later on. I don't know, but like, I don't know how, like, I don't know what the earliest opportunity there was to watch it outside of the movie theater. I know just from Wikipedia that there was, uh, I guess, a VHS release of these, I think in the 80s mm. or so, 80s or 90s. And then, and then these two, th- and the, the DVDs in the 2000s. And like you said, a short lived stay on that DC Universe app. And, and as of now, not, not streaming anywhere. I, you might be able to buy them digitally on Amazon, I think. But don't hold me to that. Uh, but certainly the the DVDs that you and I have uh, are are definitely a good way to to watch them. But kind of going back to a few of the things that you said, and and I guess this was what I you know I was I guess was surprised by in my mind when I was thinking about how I was going to watch these, even though I knew that they were chapters in my mind, I was like, well, you know, just like watch them in a row because ultimately it's like one long movie. But it's really yeah. not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really far more episodic. But but again, not it's, not in a bingeable way. But they but right. it's not. It doesn't it doesn't really like come together as this you know very smooth movie experience and or but, climactic end. No, no. But to your point, I do think. I mean, not 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 to gripe, but the DVD. You know, if they had cut out the uh, <laughs> like, this is the thing. I appreciate that it gave us the same type of experience that the original moviegoers had. I can't knock that. But part of me is like, yeah, if you had cut out the recap and the tease for the next episode, you know, you would have saved a little bit of time and you would have avoided seeing some of the same stuff like over and over and over. You know, what I find interesting is I feel like with the DVD release and this is not knocking them, but they didn't put a lot of effort into it. Like there was no uh, closed caption, which a lot of times I like to watch with that, especially when I'm taking notes um, to catch names or things. And, you know, my, my buddy Brian is pre- pretty much deaf. And so we always watch, you know, a closed caption um, and everything. 
And that wasn't available on the DVDs. And like you said, like part of DVD magic is you could pick an option where maybe there is a way to watch the whole disc straight through without the, like you would just get the next chapter card or something like you would cut out the, you know, and that might help. But I feel like these were just like slapped on. And, you know, like what you say about Turner Classic Movies, it could have been back in 06 when it was about whatever Superman stuff is, push it. And that really, you know, that's one of the great things about Superman Returns' release was going to Walmart that night and seeing that stand that had all the DVDs of all the different Superman stuff that had come from animated. It was just like overwhelmingly awesome. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, there's so many points in the serial where you're like, where is this going? <laughs> it feels like they move forward, but then they back. Like there's literally times I'm like, I don't know how they got from point A to point B or who these thugs are. It's just, I have in my notes, like dude in suits because like most of them were no names, but I will say this. I caught this, the actor who played bear. He's mentioned by name by Luthor in Adam man. Towards it. His real name is Wally West. Yes. <laughs> I did notice that in the credits there. That was funny. I was like, sweet. But you know what I didn't notice in the credits was Kirk Allen. Kirk Allen. Yes. It only credited as Superman to create that w- illusion for the children that this was and that's really what my, Superman. And that's what my wife was like. Just like when her and I watched uh, George Reeves on I Love Lucy. He's only referred to as Superman. Never as anything else. Yeah. So it's funny because I, you know, I was watching these late each night that I watched it basically. And I'm sure that had something to do with it. But between the, the, the late hour, my own fatigue and the repetitive nature, I just felt like I was in a time loop at a certain point. Like (laughs) I felt like it was starting to mess with me. I was like, what, (laughs) what am I watching? Well, it also, because of that, they start reusing certain shots and footage and the, and they go back to the same locations over that. There was a couple of times in there that I was like, did I already watch this one? Because <laughs> I watched them where it would play it and stop and take me back to the main menu. So I wouldn't get lost in my watching so I could take notes. So I knew I hadn't watched it, but I got that feeling of I've seen these shots, you know, especially like I've seen these locations before. My favorite is the palm trees in Kansas, but you know, that's, um, but yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, you know, it is what it is. And, and as far as the recycled footage, you know, I, I I mean, I, I get it, but it definitely contributed to this overall effect. I think to the fact that we were following the action from the perspective of both our heroes, as well as our antagonists, it took a lot of the the mystery out of it. You know, I think that would have been a different angle if you didn't know exactly what Spider Lady's plan was or what she was after in a given episode and that there was more investigating for our characters and us to do, which I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, when, when you dive more into Adventures of Superman, you know, you'll see. I mean, there was a variety of types of episodes, but I feel like most of them, from what I remember, you know, there was a little bit more of a mystery as, as we were along with Lois and Clark and Jimmy trying to figure something out. But here it's like you were in the lair with the spider lady or you were in Luther's space, you know, or, or you know, mountain hideout. 
just as you were in the Daily Planet offices. So you were following the action from the perspectives of both the good guys and the bad guys. And you were following the exact same formula. And you laid it out brilliantly. I mean, that every episode starts with Superman saving Lois and or Jimmy from the peril that they were in from the end of the previous chapter. Like you said, they go to the Daily Planet. Perry gives them a new assignment. Spider Lady or Luther in the second uh, serial give their henchmen their orders right there after something. There's some back and forth. Lois and or Jimmy ends up in trouble. And that's our cliffhanger. And it's like, will Superman get to them in time? It's like, yeah, I think he will. I mean, like, that's the other thing about this <laughs> that, again, I really don't, I, I don't mean to nitpick. And it's very easy to look at something that's 70 years old and be like, why didn't they do it like this? I get that. But at the same time, we're a podcast. What are we, that's what we're here for. We're breaking down with respect. We're breaking it down with respect. I mean, I, there's not a lot of tension when you keep putting the main characters in danger chapter after chapter after chapter. So, you know, it just, it's, and, and the other thing too was these are all very plot based. You know, this, what, you know, these were not concerned with the characters' feelings or emotions or personal relationships. Like, that's not, that's not the, you know, what they were there to do. But so it's very plot focused and repetitive and, and the stakes never really feel that high because we know they're not going to kill Lois or Jimmy. You know, in Adam Man, there gets to be, like I said, Lois becomes a better character, more of a character. She gets some great dialogue, scenes, even emotional beats with Clark. Um, and that gets explored, not as a romantic, but just as a friendship pairing of these two people. Um, it's because it's very one-dimensional for the most part of just like, yeah, chief, I'll go over here. I'll do this. Jimmy, grab this. Okay, Jimmy's in trouble. Ah, you know. Um, and you know, the the putting the same two people in danger basically is kind of like the same issue you run into when you do a prequel show. Right. You know, like we're <laughs> spoiler, this is really not a spoiler, but like we're watching Kenobi, and you know, you're like, well, he's gonna be okay. <laughs> like, you know, he'll be because he has to show up over here, like he's gonna be okay. Um, and you know, that's the kind of the problem is like, you want to give suspense, you want to give stakes, but you don't have any of these tertiary characters or, you know, other characters that you can just kind of use for that. It's like, will Clark save Lois? I hope so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's going to, um, will he save Jimmy? Mm. Uh, yeah. So it just kind of, like you said, you just, you're like, okay. It was more of like getting like, how are they going to get tied up this time? Or how are they going to be all attacked? Like, let's get that guy over there. Ro chase him down the back alley. Oh, no, he has a gun. Like, I don't know how many times I showed up in Adam Man's lair that I'm like, really? You're back here again? <laughs> and then you're, you're out. Um, yeah. And I, I was like 15 chapters, guys. 10. You know, because you would think just by the way we're talking that you could binge it or it's like the kind of mindset you do for a streamer, but it's really not. And so I'm sitting there thinking like 15 might be a little too long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it really felt it. You really felt, I felt each one of those chapters. I, I, I won't lie. And here's, here's the other thing too, because again, going back to adventures of Superman, virtually all of those episodes involve Lois and or Jimmy needing a save from Superman. But 
I don't know. I think one of the things that helps with that show is that each episode is a different story. Again, just this, the repetitive nature of this is that for 15 chapters, you're dealing with Spider Lady. For 15 chapters, you're dealing with Adam Man slash Luther. So it just feels like you're stuck in the same, in the same loop there. Let's say, yeah. No, I'm there's more development in Adam Man because you have Luthor, like you don't know he's Adam Man. And like he even tries to play as a good guy. So there's more depth in that in that one. Uh, I was going to ask you, did you ever read the Batman Superman recently written by Jin Lee or Jang Lee? Oh, the archive of the archive of worlds. storyline. I only read the first chapter because I knew it drew inspiration from the Batman and Superman serials. I've not read the entire thing, but I know of it. I, I read the first part. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. I really enjoyed that. And there's some cool twists and stuff in it and the way they do it. But yeah, the spider lady appears in it. It was really cool. Nice. Let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll continue. We'll be right back. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone, anywhere, via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. Oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Oh Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Oh Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Oh yeah. And we're back. So I just want to jump back to something you guys said before about Jimmy and, and how he finds himself in danger. I would say I didn't tally it up, but I feel like Jimmy gets punched out 
in probably conservatively 10 out of the 15 chapters in each serial. Like one punch that just knocks him unconscious. And he I know like the Lana Lang from Smallville. Like, that's the thing. I, you know, plenty of shows, including Smallville, you know, people, people would have had brain damage, but it's like Jimmy in particular, it's like this guy just gets clocked and knocked that, out every day. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy. Okay. My favorite part with Jimmy. And I told this to Jimmy. I was like, he's like cub reporter, Jimmy Olsen. Okay. Homeboy is a pilot. Like all of a sudden they cut away. He's flying a plane. Then later they're like, Jimmy will fly you. Dude, if you're a pilot, I think you could be making a better living as a pilot than cub reporter Jimmy Olsen, who's running around getting, uh, like, later, one of my favorites is Lois makes a comment to him about burgers and coffee, and he goes to get her her burger, and she describes it. He comes back with burgers, no coffee, okay? Yes. Um, I noticed, You know what? I noticed that, too. Maybe because I was so tired watching these, I'm like, hey, actually, coffee would be good. <laughs> But I mean, like all of a sudden that cuts away and there's Jimmy flying the plane. I'm like, what? Well, what's hilarious to me is, and I, I, I mentioned this in various episodes, when you see how well-funded the Daily Planet is in other iterations, especially older ones, and it speaks to how the times have changed. But, you know, not only is there this company car that they're always using, but the Daily Planet has its own plane. And yes, to your point, Jimmy is flying. I'm like, I had the same thought. I'm like, this guy's a pilot. But then did you notice there was one chapter where it's just Clark and Lois in the plane and Clark's flying it? Yep. Yep. I was like, wait a minute. Where's Jimmy? <laughs> I was like, and I'm just like, maybe that's part of training to be a newspaper man back then. You had to be a pilot. Like, I don't know. maybe i also you mentioned before the the chapter it's in spider lady where perry gets into the fist fight with the goon who they've apprehended yep that was one of my favorite moments of the entire serial is when perry has this fist fight now it seemed like there was a lot of stunt work stunt man work in there because his if you notice like his hair seemed to get longer <laughs> it's like, oh, in front of his face but i love like perry really got in on the action there Oh, I, Perry, Perry was a very interesting version of Perry White because he just, okay, so chapter eight of Adam Man versus Superman, it, Into the Empty Doom is my, is my favorite episode because of Lois, um, because there's some really funny beats. I was trying to, I wanted to find it in my notes to tell you which one it was. Nice, um, nice. That, well, that's my highly recommended chapter. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. At the beginning, it'll sum up the rest of it. You missed. So just, just pop on in. <laughs> I, and I, I do want to agree with you because I, I did find myself enjoying Adam man more. I do think that they, they, it was better in the, in the second serial. Uh, some of these things that we're sort of complaining about, I do think the second one was stronger, uh, but continuing along with Perry, this, this is a very, I guess, traditional really one note depiction of perry white he's the gruff editor barking out orders but the other than the fist fight the thing that really stood out to me that i found hilarious was in numerous instances he's you know really you know he's barking out these orders and he's adamant he's like you know you have to have proof for what you write you know you got to back up your stories with facts and of course that makes sense that's good advice that's what they should be doing as journalists but then <laughs> in Adam Man, we have this whole sequence, which I actually think this was one of the instances where they mix up the formula a little bit. And it was good when, and we'll talk more about this, when Luther sends Superman to the empty doom. 
And That's episode eight that, or chapter eight I'm talking about. Right. And so he's just sort of appearing kind of like as a as, as an apparition and no one can see him. We'll talk more about it. But what I love about that is, you know, Lois is, is talking to Perry about Superman's disappearance and they talk about how Clark is also missing. And Perry's like, well, they're both missing at the same time. Do you think Clark is Superman? And Lois is like, yeah, you know, I've actually thought about that for a while. And Perry goes, all right, well, write it up. What? Yeah. <laughs> Based on what? The fact that they're both missing at the same time? All of those journalistic standards that he was so firm about in the other instances went out the window. I could not believe it. I just I just feel like (laughs) could you imagine being the audience? Like (gasps) they figured it out. Like, oh man. Yeah, I mean Lois was so matter of fact about it. She's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I think I think he is Superman. But just the fact that they had nothing to back it up other than the (laughs) the you know, perhaps coincidence of them being missing at the same time. I was flabbergasted by that. I won't lie. You're like all that integrity, all that stamina. Yeah. It's like, what the hell, man? (laughs) It just, you know, we, cause like when we meet uh, Perry's funny in the sense of like, he'll, he'll be like, Oh yeah. You want a job? Give me this story. Go. And you know, and that's Kent shows up. Like I'm trying to get a job. (laughs) And you know, he gets the story and, He's like, I don't have any experience, but I might have other qualifications that will help. (laughs) Okay. Right. You've been on the payroll for hours. Kent, what are you doing? Sitting around? Yeah. And then then you walk out in the Daily Planet. There's Clark's desk, Jimmy's desk, Lois, and the secretary. Yeah. Um, Oh, there's something I was going to say, but there's, there's little things in the serials that are funny, but it's still true um, to characters that even after these... 70 years yeah plus whatever you can still look at those characters and see that's superman that's clark that's lois that's jimmy that's perry i mean perry i think is the hardest character to nail because we've had j jonah jameson in live action and you could see where perry white had some like some depictions he falls into that almost you know, that's kind of why Lane Smith's Perry White's so great is it's so different. Um, but I think other than Perry, you can look at these characters and still see true to who they are. You know, it might be some details that you're like, eh, but you can watch their performances and still, you know, you're not scratching your head like that's supposed to be Jimmy. Exactly. Well, so, you know, we talked about Perry and is played by Pierre Watkin. So uh, Jimmy in this is played by an actor named Tommy Bond. Uh, very different depiction than what we would get later on uh, with Jack Larson in Adventures of Superman. I mean, this Jimmy as the cub reporter, you know, he had much more, even though he, you know, he gets beaten all the time, but he had much more of a toughness to him. Got some moxies, got some sand. Yeah, and and this was, and they talked about this in the featurette, you know, this was definitely earlier on for the character of Jimmy Olsen generally, you know, and I don't know that you necessarily had the, you know, the the personality that we think of hadn't really solidified yet, and I think that would really happen with the Jack Larson performance. So uh, that was, that took a little getting used to, this version of Jimmy, because he's not like the goofy, innocent, silly kid. There's definitely more of a seriousness and a toughness to him. I mean, he's, you know, he's younger and he's like a little sidekick, but... Uh, they they definitely didn't play him for laughs like the way the George Reeves show would. Uh, I just wanted to say that when Adam Man started, I was so happy he didn't have his hat. And then like a beat later, he put the hat back on. And I was like, why, Jimmy? 
<laughs> I also have to tell you, and I, cause I don't want to forget this. My favorite moment of the entire viewing, it's never anything you would guess. But we talk about how Jimmy gets knocked out all the time. My favorite moment from any of the serials is in Adam man. When there, uh, you know, there's an electrical surge at, at Luther's hideout and Luther's goons and Lois and Jimmy, they're all on their way out. And two guys from the power plant show up. They're like, oh, we, you know, we saw this surge or, or whatever you want to call it. And they want to go in to the hideout to investigate. And Luther's goons are like, no, get out of here. And they start attacking the workers. Now, based on everything we've seen, you would imagine, like, I assume, like, all right, they're going to knock out these power plant workers and take their uniforms and take their truck. <laughs> these workers beat the crap out of them. I, I, like, not only did they fight back, like, they started throwing some punches. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, they got some fight in them. They won the fight. It was amazing. Like, it was my, yes. you know, you talk about how repetitive and how formulaic and how predictable. This was a reversal of expectation. I was, I was floored that these power plant workers <laughs> beat off the goons. It was amazing. That's kind of a poor <laughs> choice of words, but you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say when Jimmy, uh, when Lois was in the car and she like passed out and Jimmy runs up and he like tries to jump in the car and he gets hit and you can clearly see it's a stunt man. <laughs> that was amazing. That was, that's up there for me, but no, but no, the, those power plant workers, they were really for me, you know, as a Superman story and all that. And Lois had great moments, but those two workers, I think were really the heroes for me. I, I just like, couldn't believe it. Like we take so much crap every day, not doing this. Um, it kind of reminds me the same way, like later in Adam Man, where Superman shows up with the police, like, yeah, Luther's hideout's over here. We can't get in. Superman's like, come on with me. And they all go walking together, you know, and I'm like. Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, we mentioned Kirk Allen. We were talking about Super. Let's let's talk about his performance. So sure. the main. Th so overall, I think that Kirk Allen did a more than admirable job bringing the character to life on screen for the first time. And the featurette you know, on the DVD talked about his background uh, as an athlete and a dancer. And so oh, in yeah. terms of the physicality, I think he brought a lot to it. The biggest and best compliment I want to pay him is that even more so than George Reeves, he really differentiated the performance between Clark and Superman in terms of his, his posture and his voice in particular without making Clark you know, overly meek and mild. Um, his face, the way he, I don't want to say contorted, but like moved his face and looked Yep, as the two was, was different. And Jania said one thing that she liked about his Superman was the way he kind of mocked in the face of danger. He always had a very confident, like, ha ha kind of like, he never did that actually the hands on the hip, but because, you know, she said, like we were watching, I said, you know, he was a dancer. She says, I would have guessed that because of the way his arms are always out, like he's ready to do the move. Or in my mind, like she, how did she say it? Dang it. She said he, uh, I'm now I'm paraphrasing. She won't slap me. But when he walked, he didn't really walk into commanding with power. It was very like graceful. He would move it like, you know, one of the biggest is. You go back and watch the first episode where he goes to the train track. He kind of like floats and kind of like leaps more than he walks or runs or stamps. And that was always kind of 
my issue is sometimes the movements didn't feel as much powerful in the way he would move as Superman, but he did do a great job of the Clark and the Superman and having a difference. Um, And I wanted to ask you, because I know you had done your deep dive and I'm just kind of now starting my golden age reading was, do you feel like this was a very golden age comic to screen depiction of the character? Yeah, I would say so. And because I feel I always, like I've, I still, I mean, I still feel like I've only scratched the surface of the golden age, but yeah, I mean, generally I would say so. I just checked out the golden age omnibus from the library. It's like, nice. Um, you know, cause I always think golden age, I always picture George. Cause I always like, he always felt from, you know, and as I go more into this watching, that's more golden age Superman. And I was thinking about this, like, you know, is Kirk, doing a, a good job being like if i were to read the comic then watch him am i feeling like it's the same person well yeah i mean i would be curious to know now after you go through that omnibus but i, I here's the thing and look i, I you know I, my preference is for, for george reeves but you know the the reeves clark in adventures of superman he was tough you know and it's funny he would still you know his clark would still pull the like oh like my you know when whenever danger would break out it's like oh i have to go check something and he would run away and that sort of earned him the reputation of you know, being being scared or being, you know, kind of weak-willed. But in terms of how he conducted himself generally, especially in those early seasons, the black and white seasons, you know, he was pretty tough. Whereas, again, there was there was more of that mild-matteredness to the Kirk Allen depiction. And, yeah, that differentiation was, was a very pleasant surprise. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. That, to me, was really the highlight of his performance. Now... The with and with all res- due respect, like the what didn't really work for me, there were a couple of things in as both Clark and Superman that just I guess you know were a little bit of a, a of a roadblock to my my total enjoyment of this as Superman, and I think this was exacerbated by the fact that the footage got reused, like especially him you know landing and looking for you know where the trouble was. So I recognize it might not necessarily be that he did this every single time, but it felt that way because they were reusing footage. But he always looked bewildered <laughs> when he entered the scene. And you talked about, you know, people can't see what you were doing, but you know, you said he didn't have like the hands on his hips the way yeah. uh you know the way George Reeves would. His arms always felt like they were in front of him. Right. Yes. Like, and that's a dancer thing. A, you know? Yeah. So like it makes sense. But as you watch it between the, the arms in front of him and those those eyes like darting back and forth, he just always looked so bewildered as Superman, especially at the beginning when he entered the scene. Did you ever watch any of the old black and white universal monster movies like the Dracula movies? No. Or even like Abbott and Costello meet Dracula. No. Frankenstein. The shot of Kirk Allen when they would zoom in and he was using his x-ray vision, the way they shot, reminded me of those scenes where Dracula's like trying to put you in a trance. Like I love the old black and white, uh, you know, 20s and 30s, 40s movies. Um, and Because it was, it was the same stock shot of his eyes. like, um, And his eyes have that bewilderment, that wide, almost like man possessed look like. And look, in fairness, I get it to to an extent, right? He's landing on the scene, he's getting the lay of the land, he's taking in what's what's going on, and he's deciding on a course of action. So I'm not like that's the thing. I'm not saying like, well, I don't understand this choice at all, but it I guess is just not necessarily what I was looking for. And that sort of points to the larger issue that I had with him as Superman. 
And this is harder to really pinpoint. This is more of like a feel thing. Mm -hmm. I totally know what you mean. The costume that both Kirk Allen and George Reeves wear, they're not entirely dissimilar. They're very, very, very close in terms of the types of costume that they're wearing and in terms of the budget that both, you know, productions were working with, or at least what the way it looks on screen. Yet, I have a much easier time believing that George Reeves is Superman than I do Kirk Allen. Whereas when I watch a lot of these Kirk Allen scenes, it looks like a guy running around in a costume. Whereas when I look at George Reeves, it's like, oh, that's Superman. And this is the part that, again, I can't necessarily point to anything concrete, but there was just the X factors. There was a certain presence and an innate quality that I, I saw in George Reeves that I did not really find in here. And like I said, I just kept coming back to this idea that it just looked like a guy in a costume in a way that the George Reeves one didn't. It's a uniform. Okay. It's his uniform. He yes. says it. <laughs> um, you know, one of the, in this, and I know exactly what you mean, because in one of the episodes, Clark reveals himself to a scientist that he's Superman. And it's a very weird, awkward scene. <laughs> Because he's like, turn off the light. And he goes in the corner and he starts to, you know, take, and you see the shadow of him, like taking off his uh, outfit and put, like, you see the cape and like, and he's like, turn it. And then he stands there. You're Superman. He's like, yes. And I'm like, he didn't just, you know, like, ta-da kind of thing. Like, I know. No, I know what you're exactly what you're talking about. um, And and it was hilarious. And speaking of uniform, my favorite, (laughs) I know we're kind of jumping around, but it was in. I think it was Spider Woman. I think, yeah. The Spider Lady, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Spider Lady is when she has the kryptonite, and he's like, "I have, um, how's he word? I have lead lined underneath my uniform," and I was like, "That's great, but your face is still exposed." Oh, that and drove me hand, nuts. And I'm just like, "Is." I know that drove me nuts when at, at the climax of the first serial, when he is able to overcome the kryptonite uh, in the possession of the spider lady by claiming that, yes, he has, you know, lead underneath his costume. But like you said, not over his hands or face. There was something similar with with the Luther serial where Luther creates synthetic kryptonite and it works on Superman. Cool. But then I the next that time cool. that they try to use it. Superman, it doesn't affect him. And he's like, well, once it's exposed to air, it loses its effect. It's like, who who says who? <laughs> Obviously, he figured it out when they were exposed to him and it didn't affect him. And he faked it like, oh, yeah. So uh, I again, some of those contrivances, you know, you just sort of, uh, you know, uh, take it for what it is. But can, can we talk about how Arnold Schwarzenegger stole Superman's line? Can we, can we talk about that for a second? When when Luther's banishing him to the, the, <laughs> the doom, he's like, I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. I'm like, okay, I got it, bro. <laughs> you know, but I was like, I was like, dang it, Terminator, you stole Superman's line. Well, just like uh, Pa Kent, Eben in this has a line about with great power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, good job there, Eben and Sarah. And like, as I was watching, I was like, wait a minute, because you know, like in a lot of earlier comics, there's that thin line of he was found taking to a orphan asylum. That's my favorite line by the way, from the comics. And then the Kents adopted him. And then over time, like it starts to smooth that it's the Kents that find him and take him there, then go back for him. And then the Kents find him and just keep him. So I was like, as I was watching, it's like, okay, does Eben and Sarah find him and then take him? No, they, they keep him. They're the Kents. And then that's what sparked my idea. Like did John can't have it to Jonathan can't ever have a brother. Cause I could rationalize in my head that Eben 
was his brother. <laughs> um, because, you know, was it at one point Clark was adopted from like Martha's sister. They made the whole, there was like, I don't remember. It was like where they were trying to hide who Clark, like, yeah, there've been versions like that where they're like, Oh, we'll just say this is your, you know, I don't know if it was sister or cousin. Like we'll say this was a relative's uh, right. child. So there, there definitely have been versions like that. But the, I want to go back to the, their telling of the origin, but the, the last thing I wanted to say just about the performance was with Kirk Allen as Clark. I liked his Clark overall, but especially early on there was, and I don't know what the best word is to describe it. Uh, I don't know, like an impishness to yeah, his Clark. I, w- I would say that there's like a cheese, a campness at times. Like, oh yeah, uh-huh. Uh. Yeah, didn't really like that so much. So Because it felt like some of the ways he would react as Clark would translate to the way he would act as Superman. Just with Superman, it was more, a little bit more confidence behind it, if, if that makes sense of like the sarcastic tone of, like I said, like how he would kind of laugh in danger. Um, can I point out my favorite thing that I point out to Jania was you have a scene almost in every serial of Superman getting shot by the gangsters, bullets bouncing off, but yet the gangsters will get in a fight with Clark and actually land some punches. Yes. And nothing was wrong with their hand. Like Clark, I mean, he, was he rolling with those punches? Was he, you know, having to fake it because they're like, psh, psh, psh. and I'm like, you just showed the guy take the bullet but this guy's fist is going to knock down Clark and he's not really rolling with the, I'm like, something's going on here. I'm like, I know. I noticed that as well. And kind of along those lines of Clark fighting. So in, in these serials, right, he earns the reputation, especially with, with Lois of being this, this coward who always runs from danger. And yes, there are instances where trouble breaks out and he's like, oh, I'll go get the police. Or when there's the oil field fire and he pretends like, oh, the gas knocked him out and he you know, was, was unconscious in the car. There are plenty of instances of that. However, there are also instances where he engages in fisticuffs and shows bravery. When the goon who was fighting Perry makes his way into the bullpen, you know, Clark stops him and, and knocks yeah. him out. Uh, and then similarly in the Adam Man serial, when, uh, you know, uh, Lois and Clark and, and I guess Jimmy, they're going to meet with Perry's contact to uh, to examine the coin. And anyway, that whole bit of business, uh, Clark is the one like he's fighting off the the goons in that one. So, again, not to nitpick, but it just feels like this reputation sometimes it's like, come on, I feel like they're being a little overly hard on the guy. He's he's shown bravery. And I think it, it kind of dep- it depends on which serial you're watching, um, because there's an evolution like my favorite you're talking about him running away is when he runs to go change into superman <laughs> and lois is like he ducks into like an out like a uh the theater or something yep yep um and she's like clark the police aren't over there where are you going and she stops him from becoming uh you know superman and i'm like that was funny because that's when lois starts to get more into things and before i forget i just want to point out my favorite lois moment is when she's leaving and she tells the secretary to call the police and report her car stolen and she takes the daily planet car and clark comes out like hey i needed that car she's like take mine it's in the alley and she throws her keys and then clark's driving her car and gets pulled over by the police and arrested 
and he has to leave jail, go save her as Superman, come back to jail, go back to Clark just for the, you know. And I was like, that is such a Lois Lane move. Yeah. Like, it just, it put a smile on my face, honestly, because it was like, because I don't know, I really liked her Lois Lane. Because even though it's it's representative of how a woman would be at the time. Because Jania said, we're watching, she's like, yeah, Lois can't fly the plane because she's a woman and it's 1940s. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm just like, yeah. Um, but I think she gets some really great moments in the series. She does. I... I... And, and of course, you know, she would take over the role of Lois from Phyllis Coates in the Adventures of Superman series. Now, I've talked about this before. As much as I enjoy Noel Neal's performance, and she's wonderful as Lois, I am partial to Phyllis Coates because there was... I'll a, get back to you on that. All right. Because I, I really need to... Like, that's part of my my journey at the moment is like, because I, I had seen, you know, some of Phyllis, but I'm like, I'm going to watch them so I can really frame it together i mean here's the thing i think they both work it's just that the the phyllis Coates iteration she was a lot tougher i mean she was tough as nails whereas the neil version was definitely softer and and more more feminine or daintier or however you want to put it but definitely softer and you know watching these serials again i i really did enjoy her lois she she brightened up the screen and she brought a lot of energy and, and and I think that that really helped with the proceedings, but she, <laughs> it's a weird thing to complain about, but her Lois in these serials, she's like always smiling. Even I, the, I, I think the, the one where I, I, it was so noticeable was after she had been pushed out of a building and Superman caught her <laughs> and she's like, just all smiles. Like, Oh, thanks. And it just felt to me like this does not reflect what <laughs> what you would probably be going through following a situation like that. So again, I know this might sound like a weird complaint, like she smiled too much, but I know she was just so upbeat. And sometimes it felt like the situation called for something a little bit different. <laughs> what was there was one in Adam Man where like what happened? Superman came to save us. Oh, he does that. You know, they're just like oh. Okay, just another day of being endangered and Superman saved us. Like, yeah, I, I I get with that. Like, and then speaking in Adam Man, one thing I know they started uh, um, the flying scenes added Lois a couple of times, or someone else like they actually started. And you know, I thought about this. There's a reason why we call it computer animation, or C, you know, CG is like that was their technique for them. You know, now we have flying scenes that's transitioned with super realistic computer graphics, but you know, back then they just had hand-drawn animation to do their transitions or whatever. And it worked. And, um, you know, so like it, it made sense for why they would do it, how they did it at the time and everything. Um, I just want to point, I meant to mention that earlier, just that kind of mindset of, you know, it's still a type of animation to fill in the gaps. Just now our technology, like, could you imagine going to a theater right now, walking in George, Kirk and Chris and sitting them down and like playing Man of Steel, the Smallville scene? I know. I 
I know it's it's incredible, and you know your point is well taken. It's you know we still have this assistance today. It it just takes a different form, and it and it looks seamless as opposed to watching the serials where it very clearly switches to cartoon animation. But it didn't really. I didn't mind that. I, I really didn't mind it, and I got used to it. I will say that mm-hmm. by the time we got to the second serial, and they had figured out how to show him physically flying to an extent. I felt like we probably could have ditched the animation at that point, even if that meant we didn't get those longer, more involved flying shots. Like I actually would have been okay if, you know, you just saw those relatively static torso up shots of him flying and and we lost the animation. I would have been okay with that, but in, in either serial, I didn't, I didn't mind it. Now, had I been a kid or, or an adult, maybe even more so going to see these in the forties and excited to see Superman flying on screen. Might I have felt differently? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how I would have felt in I th- that context. I, I'm going to say you would. And here, here's why Solomon has a love for Godzilla. Okay. And until recently, we did not know that Jania's uncle, he sat down. We were, I don't, it was recently over a, a break. And he was talking with Solomon and Solomon started talking about Godzilla. And he told Solomon that he was a child about Solomon's age and saw the original Godzilla at the drive-in and how he was like engrossed and how it was just excited and scary and just, oh my gosh, this is. So hearing that story about a kid watching and Godzilla is what? 54, right? Yeah. sounds right. Um, so then putting that paradigm of thought into what you just said, yeah, I totally think you just would have been blown away and just engulfed in the Superman world, like that Superman. Um, so, you know, taking out those those flying shots may have uh, changed because one of my favorite parts of advancement in, I think it was an Adam Man, is when Superman has the guy in the office and he like throws him out the window and in the air. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then Cassie's like, what? You don't want to tell us? Talk again. You know, and I'm like, wow, that was, uh, <laughs> that was pretty exciting. Um, yeah, th- you know, not, not unlike the George Reed's version, which we've talked about, you know, this was a, a very confident, authoritative, decisive Superman. So for those who, you know, don't like the more conflicted, introspective versions that <laughs> we've gotten in recent times, I mean, this is a very no-nonsense Superman. He usually knows what to do and he goes out and he does it. And like I've said, I like, I like both versions. I think there's room for for all those kinds of interpretations. But yeah, this, you know, this is a very dynamic Superman. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> now you mentioned a couple of times you're watching this with your wife. What, what was her take on these generally? She, you know, my wife has a great appreciation for classic movies and old film and things. So it's not hard to get that, to get that, um, you know, that appreciation and, she was enjoying it with me. Like we point out, you know, flaws or things like the repetitiveness and then the character. And that's when we, as we were watching it, you know, she, we talked about Kirk being a dancer and, you know, I said to her, like, I'm not saying this negatively, but now like I've watched enough of this. that I can see the Kirk Allen Superman more fully. And I'm like, I don't like some of what he does. And I, and I can say that without feeling like I'm just trashing it because it's the old thing. I'm like, I understand it. I appreciate what's going on because I'm the same thing. I'm liking so much of the fun that I'm getting from Lois. So, I mean, and that's the older Lois. Her and I sit down and um, ranked our Superman, our Loises, and, you know, Luthor. Because um, we talked about Luthor more, too. 
because she had previously watched the other uh, when you and I did the other recording, she watched the Luthor with me and just how there is hints of the businessman, the mad scientist. Um, I recently took the kids to see rise of Gru, and I, in a couple of shots, I'm like, Oh, is that Gru? No, that's Luthor. Um, <laughs> my wife pointed out the bald cap line. She's like, there it is. Um, you know, and she agreed with me because she's going to watch some of the George stuff with me as well. It's just, there is something that's a little, I don't say off about it, like about, you know, Kirk, but at the same time, like there's an appreciation for it. And she sat there and one night and she's just kind of watching him and talking with me. And I will say that having her talk with me as I'm watching it made the episodes of that night go much smoother than me trying to do it all by myself. And I love getting her perspective on things because she always comes with a different perspective and brings up different viewpoints that I might not catch. And um, it, it was enjoyable. It made it more enjoyable watching it with her. And that's kind of what I always like to try to do is include her in some way. Good. Now I'm glad you were able to share that with her. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my wife and I watch all of our shows and movies and stuff together. The stuff that I've been watching for the podcast, it depends. Like some stuff she'll watch with me, some she won't. Uh, th- these she did not, in part, do again, due to just timing. You know, I, I watched after she went to sleep. But uh, yeah, I can imagine how having having a, a co-pilot would, would make it go a little bit easier. Yeah, do we get alone? Next time a little harder? We should, what we should have done is next time we should, you know, map it up and just pull up FaceTime and be like, all right, let's watch this. I'll be watching on TV and put the, you know, the laptop right there, the old iPad, and been like, yeah, hey. And then we could just watch it and that way make comments as we go and not feel like we're alone. Yeah. So, and speaking of, of Luther or Luthor, as, as he's called here. Yeah. Very hard war. Yeah. Luthor. So played by Lyle Talbot, who I, you've mentioned the Gotham or the, the Batman serials. I own them too. I've not watched them, but my understanding is he played Gordon in that. I think so. I, I bought them in the $5 bin years ago at Walmart and I watched one of them one time just to show my wife. And then I put it on the shelf, <laughs> but it was just one of those, like, cause it was uh, both of them on one, you know, yes. uh, set. And just to have, like, like I said, to call back to there's the origin, there's the history. Um, I know Our, to be honest, originally I figured, Oh, I would watch those along with these, but after struggling to get through the Superman serials, I don't think I have this in me, at least at least now, but hopefully at some point down the line. But as far as Luthor in this, because uh, again, you and I talked about this when we did our Luthor episode uh, a little while ago. My And at the time, I said that I found Lyle Talbot's Luthor to be very flat. Mm-hmm. And I still stand by that. However, my opinion of his performance and this version of, of Lex, not, not Lex, he's not Lex yet, he's still just Luthor, definitely improved watching the entire serial and See, i wanted yeah. to ask you that because i i had similar thoughts of how much more interesting i found him watching over the whole thing yes yeah for sure i i guess what i originally saw only as flatness i appreciated more now as as a measuredness or uh, a level of of you know being calculating mm-hmm but it's still it's still interesting to me because when you look at the other, all those other pre-crisis versions of Luther that you and I looked at, especially the the cartoons, 
the filmation and superpowers, the Superboy show, and of course Gene Hackman in Superman the movie, you know, they all had bigger personalities. <laughs> Some too big, as we talked about, but they all had, there was more, there's just more going on, more personality, more energy. Uh, so this Luther still remains an outlier, but I don't necessarily say that as a bad thing. Like I said, I really did come to appreciate it. And to your point, because we didn't really see a ton of this in just the couple that we watched last time, but watching the whole thing, yeah, you do see the hints of of what we would get in the modern times of the evil businessman, uh, you know, facade that he creates. Uh, so it was it was cool to kind of see that and see some of maybe the earliest seeds of of what would become later, and. Just by way of quick recap, you know, the, this, the second serial begins with Luther's already established as this renegade scientist and Superman's right. arch, arch nemesis. That's what I was about to say. I was like, I wrote down because they're like, Luthor, Superman's arch nemesis. I'm like, really? This happened off screen, you know, in between the two serials. I was like, okay. You know, and he's, you know, getting released um, from prison. And I was just like, because... There's definitely a distinction between if you watch the first one and then the second one. Um, you know, one is Noel Neal's hair is lowest, and the second one is more lowest, like like dark, shorter, and everything. But yeah, that threw me, and they're like arch enemy. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting to have something like that transpire, you know, off screen in in between serials, <laughs> but. You know, that, that is where we start and, you know, Luther is apprehended right at the very beginning of of the Adam Man serial. You know, he tries to level a bridge using these sonic waves and Superman's able to stop it and he catches Luther. And then this crime wave persists while while Luther is locked up and he's ultimately, now a lot of time passes, which was interesting. Uh, they, they they make mention of how much time has passed while, while Luther's in prison, but he's ultimately granted parole in part because he's exchanged information with the authorities and has, you know, promised help in, in combating this, this crime wave. Uh, but when he gets out, he, he takes over a television station or he starts a television station. Yeah. And I mentioned before, at the top of this, all of his inventions, I, I guess the, the, the claim to the, the big one really in, in this is this teleportation device. And I, although I don't know, well, I guess that is the most impressive, but in addition to that, he also, has this other machine that's sort of what does he describe it as a combination of uh, radar and television, where he and his minions can see across great distances through walls, yeah, and 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 capture both video and audio. It's it's yes. a remarkable achievement. I mean, this guy was living in you know twenty twenty two or more um, because not only that, but the you know the teleporter the beamer you have a coin in your hand and then if you're holding that coin it's like they have a ray gun thing that locks into it and basically like star trek's you out of there um and it gets used a lot throughout the the series and it was pretty cool i will say it got a little overplayed later on but well there's one point where one of the henchmen is captured and to the public they think the all these guys are working for the atom man yes right but of course it's actually it was odd to me, to what extent do you think the serial was trying to make it a surprise that Luther was Adam Man for the audience? Uh, probably never the fact that it sounded like Luther's voice when the Adam Man talked. Yes. No, I, I mean, again, certainly watching But at it, the same time, I don't know, because 
it just felt like I don't know. It felt like it was Luthor from the beginning. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like that's a really really good question. Um, yeah, I was crap. just I was just curious because again, certainly for us watching it, it's like of course it's going to be Luthor, but. You know, when they're in the hideout and he's laying out his plan, he comes out as the Adam man with this, this goofy helmet on and the robe and stuff. And uh, or I don't know if it's at that point or maybe it's Luther talking about Adam man and talking about how, Luther, you know, Adam man is his associate or whatever. Yeah, I was just curious, like to what extent, especially back in the day, was that meant to be a surprise for the audience? But I, I can't imagine much of one. Um, but what's funny is with this device that he can he can use to see through walls and whatnot <laughs> he uses it to he has his he has his goons uh copy down the uh the, the 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 codes for the safes at local businesses like dry cleaners yep and it's just so funny to me. or the daily planet or the, the daily yes. planet had a safe yeah but it's just like this guy is running a television station he's come up with these unbelievable scientific achievements <laughs> it's like he's using it to like knock off a dry cleaner safe i i don't know I, again not not to not to look too deeply into that but it was just kind of goofy to me it wasn't like there was some part of some bigger plan but i mean you know in the end we found out he was building a rocket ship yes and that all of his you know stuff was going to be on his rocket ship that he was going to leave or he was going to use his machine to cause earthquakes and he was you know kidnapped lois she would be the eve and she's like what are you trying to make some sort of noah's ark applesauce um and it was just it was just weird because i'm like you have all this stuff you've invented that you you and you're like you said you're knocking over like you know they're inside the movie or the television truck and they're having like later on there's a plot the trick lois gets fired from the daily planet she goes to work for luthor she's interviewing people on the street and why she's doing that, the truck is positioned, you know, watching the safe while another group of thugs go in and rob the place. And I just love how she's like, hey, do you want to be interviewed? Do you want to be interviewed? Not about any subject, but just do you want to be on TV? <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> um, but it, it was in, it was interesting, just the whole, like I said, like after a while, sometimes you're like, what is going on? Because so many things are just repetitive and then, you know, the thugs all look the same, just dudes in suits. Not that distinction. But I will say the one episode that kind of popped for Out of Adamant is when Luthor re recants uh, and retells us the origin of Superman and all about Jarrell and all about Krypton. And I'm like, how does he know this? And then he says, Someone coded these messages that Jarrell sent, and only I could decipher them. And I was like, "Okay, I'll go with it." But I'm sitting there watching this, like, "Oh, oh, okay." Luthor knows all about Krypton, huh? Yeah, believe me, that jumped out at me too. So that's in the episode where he's creating his synthetic kryptonite, and basically, he's got a few minutes that he has to wait while the, while the kryptonite is baking. Like, we don't have to film anymore. We'll just use old footage. We're good. Yeah. So it shows Crap. us the footage from, from the, the first chapter of the first serial, the, the destruction of Krypton. And rather than the original narrator's voice, we have Luthor now, uh, re, you know, recounting what happened. And I mean, word for word, it's, it's word for word. So they didn't have to come up with a new script either. And I had the same thought. It's like, how, 
would he possibly know any of this? I will say I give them credit for at least attempting an explanation. It's not a good one. No, no, but, <laughs> but the because they could have just left it as like he just knew. So I appreciated that they they at least put something out there. But it also makes me think too. One of the I thought one of the more interesting parts of the first serial was when uh, Superman encounters Kryptonite for the first yeah. time, right? Like this meteor falls and uh, this uh, Professor Leeds I think uh, has yes. it and he's going to study it and 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 Clark goes uh, to to get the story and you know immediately passes out. Well, to make me laugh about that, <laughs> the professor like barely touches Clark and is very quick to pronounce him dead. He's like, <laughs> like feels it for like a second, and then he's like, "I need the coroner up here." Clark Kent just died. Yep. Uh, but as you were explaining earlier, right? Clark eventually comes to, and uh, and he does reveal his secret to Professor well, Leeds. Hold on, hold on. So Professor Leeds shuts the box of kryptonite, and Clark comes to, and then he's like, "Go ahead." Open that again. I got to see something. And he opens it again. Clark's. He falls down again. He's like, yes, just as I suspected. And I was like, okay. I like, know. That hurt. Do it again. But what's interesting is that Professor Leeds, you know, clearly has knowledge of this planet Krypton out there. And at me, that point, Superman says, because this, you know, he reveals his identity. He's like, oh, I, I thought I might be from Krypton. Now, in my studies recently, when I was uh, talking about the destruction of Krypton, I, I was digging and I wish I would have had my notes. Now I can't remember. At one point, Krypton was in our galaxy, but like on the opposite far side of our own galaxy, like past Pluto. Um, and like not was it in our solar system or just right? It was it was in our galaxy. It was closer so it was, it was like a planet that maybe they had known of. And I can't remember where that was now. Dang it. Um, Cause I found that interesting, you know, just the idea that Krypton's much closer um, than what we later would perceive it to be. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. The fact that this scientist and presumably others knew of Krypton and knew of its destruction and the fact that Superman himself suspected he might be from there like that really took me by surprise but yeah i guess like you know to your point in, in other iterations i guess more is known about the planet and even in adventures of superman uh, you know you'll see that when you get there but when they introduce kryptonite i believe that whatever scientist is analyzing it's been a while since i watched that episode but speculates that it's from the planet krypton it's like so they it, it's known you know i guess in certain iterations of, of the story but yeah it definitely took me by surprise um, it also, because if you go back to one thing that I, I, I don't have a problem with, but it's sometimes when watching the older Superman properties is remembering what powers does he have and what doesn't he have? Cause you know, my favorite is always heat vision, no heat vision and in these series no heat fit until the 60, 61 Superman, 145 or 245, something 45 introduced officially heat vision. Um, before it was like a form of x-ray vision but it was heat vision and then no super breath you know um so it's always one of those things to try to keep in my mind like all right what can he do you know and it's 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 neat that they did the flying compared to just the leaping and stuff that we have seen in the comics and stuff before so that's always an interesting kind of 
thought, you know. Well, it's funny too when you talk about the powers because yes, we see a lot of X-ray vision and super hearing and strength and flight in the serials. Speed is a little nebulous though because yeah. So there are a couple of scenes that come to mind where Superman is tying up the bad guys and they speed up the footage. So he, you know, it it looks like he's doing it faster and then they'll cut to Lois or Jimmy and you'll see their eyes like darting up and down as they're, as they're watching Superman do it. So it's conveying that like he's doing this very fast, but then there are, there are at least a couple of instances where Superman, not Clark, but Superman is chasing after the bad guys and he's like running at a a normal human speed. (laughs) So, so there's that. And then going back to what you were saying before, when he changes from Clark into Superman, I feel like they, like they, they needed to cut away sooner. Cause it's like, you just see him like start to take off all his clothes, <laughs> but at a normal yeah. speed. And it just kind of, it plays as kind of goofy. Well, like they, the, the footage they establish is he's in the daily planet. He goes into a closet, shuts the door. He opens his jacket, steps behind a filing cabinet and then, like, beat, beat, comes out as Superman and then does the, and then takes off out the window. And then later, the, the reestablishing footage is animated Superman flies in the window. He lands, goes behind the filing cabinet, then comes out, rebuttons that one part of, you know, his suit and goes out. And, you know, and then we had the scene where he tells Mr. Leeds, Dr. Leeds, and we see the shadow of him, like, changing. And I don't know about you, but if I'm with a man I kind of just met and he's like, hey, turn the light off. And he starts like undressing. I'm going to be a little like b- b- odd. It was, like, you know, on? it's funny. This this is just a brief <laughs> tangent, but it hopefully we'll get a laugh out of it. So uh, in in my previous job in, in the admissions office, this is going back a few years, but uh, we would get uh, like polo shirts for students who gave tours for us stuff like that and uh, i remember we gave one to to one of our our students and uh you know we were in the middle of our of our office suite there and we gave him the shirt and i'm not joking the men's room was like a few steps away yet he proceeds in the middle of this office we're all just standing there he just takes a shirt off no undershirt no t-shirt he just takes a shirt off and tries on this polo shirt and it's just like what are you doing <laughs> so Some people, di- different circumstances but i just i always thought of that it's just like <laughs> it was so baffling to me it's like come on like this is not the setting and in, in any event maybe, maybe he was just really he grew up playing shirts versus skins a lot and he's like eh, all right yeah, maybe. But yeah, the scene with the doctor was was funny. It, another personal story that it made me think of when I was little, uh, there was another little kid in, in our apartment building uh, where we lived for a few years. And, you know, we used to have play dates and stuff. And this was when, I don't know, maybe I was six and he was four. I don't know. But I used to tell him that I was a Power Ranger. Of course, that's how you introduce and, yourself. Of course, that's what you do. You told him your color and everything. Yeah, but I was like, I'm a Power Ranger and I could teleport. That was, that was, I was like, I could teleport, but I would make him like turn around. I have to turn around and then I'll teleport. And then I would just run to the other room. Uh, but yeah, and Close th- your eyes. that scene just kind of had the air of it. It was like, I'm Superman. It's like, I'll show you, you know, and it turns off the light and he takes off the clothes. And then the funniest thing was the, the professor was like, okay, use your, you know, like use your x-ray vision and see through this door and he can't do it. But it turns out there was, you know, lead, lead paint lead. or whatever. Uh, but it was funny, which, which would be a lot more common back then than it yes, is now. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. But you know, the fact, the, the fact that they utilize kryptonite 
And, and that Superman revealed his identity. I like that felt kind of big to me. And, and that was, again, one of those instances where I felt like, okay, like we're doing something interesting here. That's how I felt, you know, in Adam man, when they have the whole Clark as Superman Lois refuses. And then we have a scene where Jimmy goes out of the office to a payphone, calls Perry voice <laughs> impersonates Clark that he's on. I'm onto a big story. Gotta go. Like the most generic talk ever um, to kind of throw Perry off this trail because Lois is trying to protect the integrity of both Superman and Clark. And I thought, I thought that was, you know, uh, like you were saying, like Adam man definitely shows some character development. And there's little things in the relationship between Clark and Jimmy, Jimmy and Lois, Lois and Clark, you know, then the three of them, that just kind of makes you like the characters more. Like you said, the serials are very plot driven. There's not a lot of time. Like you got to go from A to B to C to get ready for, you know, B of the next episode. Um, so there wasn't a lot of time for that, but Adam man made that time a little bit more and, and kind of slowed down uh, some elements of the, of the, of the story beats. And it made it a little bit more enjoyable. Because I, you know, like like you're saying, where Clark gets banished to the Great Doom, and he's like vibrating. What was one time? Oh, now this is different. But he is typing like a ghost on Lois's typewriter, and she's like, "It's a message from Superman." And we see this really cool, like, effect of showing Superman there. Um, but that made me think of earlier where Luthor thinks he banishes him, or whatever. And he's like, no, I just vibrated so fast that you could, it looked like I was invisible. I was like, what are you, the flash now? <laughs> like, but yeah, no, I'm with, I'm with you on that. But yeah, speaking of the, the empty doom, but that was, that was probably the most intrigued that, that I was watching this because it, again, it was, it was challenging Superman in a different way. It wasn't just, Oh, was he going to save Lois or Jimmy from this death trap? It's, Superman himself is in danger. He's been forced into this main arc uh, chamber that Luther uses to uh, disperse his atoms into the empty doom. Sort of, you know, if I was, you know, fans, you know, kind of talking about this online and, and equating this to like an early version of the Phantom Zone. And it, you know, definitely yeah. has that feel to it, which is cool. So again, just seeing, you know, like early seeds of, of what might come later. Um, but yeah, and then the fact that, you know, like you said, he's appearing as this apparition, but no one can see him, and he's punching the keys on Lois's keyboard. Uh, and I liked that, you know, he really had to use his wits, right? And so he comes up with this plan to have the Daily Planet put out the story that Superman's alive, and he's going to make an appearance, and it, it you know, and they use, uh, you know, footage from the serials, right? But they, they you know, news footage of Superman, yeah. and they broadcast it on TV to throw Lex off and Luther off uh, and make him think that, yeah, I mean, he assumes it's a trick, but he's not positive, right? So he has to open so, up this channel again and send one of his guys up to check. And that's what Superman uses to ride back down to Earth. Like, it was a cool, it, it was a cool sequence of events. Yes, it was. It, it was. And also later, was at one point where I can't remember how they got there because some of it didn't make sense of how they, but uh, let Luther, so you got me doing I that. know, I'm sorry. He's <laughs> like, he tells him, it's like that, one of those levers will save and bring Superman back or one won't. Are you willing to take the gamble? You know, he says it to, to Lois and Jimmy and it was like, they are now responsible for saving, you know, Superman. Like, 
Yeah. They just changed it up a little bit to where he wasn't the one always saving them. And it made it more enjoyable. It felt more Superman-y, like having Luthor and like what was going on compared to the spider lady. Yes. Well, the one thing though, that was funny with, with Luthor and, uh, and the choice that he gives Lois with the, with the levers is <laughs> again, I, I nitpicking. It's like, why, if this is your arch enemy and you have him where you want him, why would you not flip the lever that will seal his fate forever? Why would you even make yeah. this a possibility in any event? Yeah, I, I agree. Having, having not just a recognizable villain, but as we've been talking about in prior episodes, Superman's ultimate opponent, his arch enemy, as the villain for uh, for the second serial, definitely gave it added weight and packed more of a punch than. And no disrespect to the Spider Lady, but you know, I don't. That's not a villain necessarily that I would be clamoring to see again. It would be interesting to do like a show, or like I always think like I have a story like in mind where I've I've watched these different things and like characters that appear like the spider lady or Mason on, on uh, Lois and Clark that yeah. only appear like, like keeping these lists of these characters and then doing a Superman story that involves all these characters that were created for certain aspects. Like it would be neat to bring in say <sighs> the spider lady on an episode of Superman and Lois or, you know, well, some an, a new animated show, My Adventures with Superman, that's coming down the pipeline. Something like that to just kind of winks, nods to what's come before that sometimes gets lost in, you know, in translation. And, you know, we, we, we've talked about before. It's like, will I go back to these? Probably I'll never sit down and watch them all again. Will I maybe watch a chapter or something to show some of what we discussed probably like just to kind of, you know, especially cause I know eventually we're going to do an episode probably on the serials. It's on my forever to do list, but you know, sometimes it's, it's a daunting task if someone's not up for the task. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm, I appreciate you taking this on. I I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't think I would ever sit down and watch all of these again, unless like my son at some point gets curious about it, then I would. Well, yeah, yeah. Other, uh, same same thing here. Otherwise, though, I don't think I would ever seek these out. And but but as far as you know, you you brought this up earlier. As far as you know, what we would recommend to fellow Superman fans who might be listening to this and who maybe are not familiar with these, have never watched them. Yeah, at a minimum, I would I would say watch the beginning of the first serial, see the origin. Yes. Uh, watch the last chapter or two of, of the first serial. And, and then as far as the second serial, yeah, I would, I would probably say to watch, you know, maybe the first and last and those, the middle ones that chapter eight that we, we've been talking yes. about with the, with the empty doom. Like those are, those are, I think the strongest ones. And, and that's where maybe, you know, the serial repetitive format can work to your benefit because you won't be so lost. You know, you'll have missed some of the plot of, I mean, essentially in each chapter, whether it's spider lady or Luther, there's, you know, something that they're trying to get their hands on, you you know, usually something, something like that. It gets extremely repetitive to where, like I said, I'm taking notes and I got lost because I'm like, wait, what is it this time? Like what happened here? Like, how did you get here in the story? Yeah. Like, um, you know, if, if I revisit these would probably be do what I should have done is 
start doing these like reviews as backups in each episode. <laughs> yeah. So where like each week we would watch one and talk about, you know, like, you know, at the end of the episode, we, you know, that'd probably be something to do down the line, like in a, another year five. As, as far as nods to, uh, to other Superman adaptations, uh, a la the radio show and the Fleischer cartoon, uh, we do get the the bit where Clark is changing into Superman, and we, we hear him think it rather than actually see him say it. I believe, but the this is a job for Superman, so we do get that. That was a nice that was a nice touch. I see this you're so, bringing something over. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, because when the serial starts for Superman vs. Adam Man, it says. Um, based on the radio show and i have the superman versus adam man radio show script oh nice um so i think it's very different though isn't it yeah it is yeah. <laughs> and that's one thing i was going to bring up is like even though like the adam man is based on the the, the script and i i told Janine, i was like you know what um i might if i if do an episode or something where I kind of do through the script and kind of talk about the script versus the produced serial. And I think it was kind of neat because it's the first Superman storyline translated from one medium to another. So yeah. I just wanted to bring that up. I forgot. Yeah, no, that is, that is cool. Uh, just a quick side note. I never realized there were, there were such extensive country roads like right outside Metropolis. They get a lot right. of play. <laughs> We got a lot right. of car chases uh, out out in uh, out on those trails there. Yeah, um, like I told you, the the palm trees in Kansas is what I loved. Yeah, had, like I always okay. I always thought it was funny. They're like Clark. One day you're going to be a man, and you'll have to go out. Okay, soon Clark's foster parents both died, so Clark left home. I'm like, that was that wow. was the that was the last big thing on my list kind of bringing it all the way back to the beginning of of the telling of the origin here and you know I, I appreciated what they attempted to do with Krypton I think given the limitations you know they they could have just skipped over it but they brought us to Krypton we mean Jarrell Lara the council yeah I mean that's the thing it hits all of the the you know the, the those fundamental beats are there that Jorel knows of this impending doom and no one will heed his warnings and he and Lara make this desperate gamble to save their son it, you know it's all there it's very rudimentary but it's there even in terms of Krypton itself you see apparently the 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 you know the outer edges of the planet are very rugged very, you know mountains and rock and very rocky uh, and then we have this advanced main city that's just rendered via a, a, a portrait an illustration. Uh, and then we go into the into the science council, but again, like those those main beats are there, and we have Eben and Sarah finding him, and like you said, we we jettison all the orphanage business. They just you know they just take Clark home, and then you see him as he's as he's aging. But then my favorite funniest part of the origin is what you it points to what you just brought up, where uh, you know we cut to now Kirk Allen as Clark, so he's grown to adulthood and wearing a suit. He's sitting in the Kent living room, wearing a his full suit and glasses, reading, just reading. And uh, <laughs> Mar uh, Sarah nudges Eben. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. And is basically like, all right, talk to him. Like, yeah, talk to this kid. <laughs> and so, you know, Eben gives him this whole speech about using your powers and she gives him the costume. Uniform. 
the yes uniform. And then, <laughs> and then like, he's, this was the funniest thing about it was, uh, as the narration tells us, it's like they, they passed not soon after. So it's like they give him this whole speech and he doesn't take their words to heart. Apparently he waits until they've died. It's, it was so odd to me. It, oh, it, it's so odd because it's, if you drop the narration, it looks like they hand it to him and then he walked out the front door to head to Metropolis. Yes. He's wearing the same suit. Okay. But when you throw in the narration, it's like, and soon they died. So they died that night. <laughs> like he's wearing the same outfit, you know, and I know the times and people's clothes, whatever. Uh, but it just, it feels weird. And then what I find interesting is the similar beats to that versus the pilot for the adventures of Superman as well. Yeah. Of just, um, but yeah, it, um, it, like, I like that we see like Clark in three phases. Well, four, I guess you see an infant that they find. Then he's a little bit older pulling the like mule cart. Then you have him finding uh, Sarah's watching the hay. And then you have when the electrical wires fall during the tornado that he goes and saves Eben and then drives home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you have Kirk Allen. So the, the first episode really does a lot to establish everything. And that's why I think you should always at least watch the first two. Because it ends like basically with, oh no, trouble's coming. And it's like, boom, here's Superman. And then it's like cliffhanger. So you don't really get to see him be Superman in the first uh, chapter. Yeah. I think that was one of the things that lulled me into a false sense of security is that those first couple, you know, they move and they're telling the origin. And then when you realize the pattern that we've fallen into, it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. But yeah, those early chapters are, are definitely exciting. And you see Clark arrive in Metropolis and he doesn't even know any any newspapers. He just goes to the cab driver. Like, take me to a newspaper. It's like, which one? Well, what do you think? <laughs> the other planet's pretty big. I'll yeah, go we'll go with that. Uh, and then, you know, he makes his public debut and his saves and, and everything. And it was it was interesting to me how quickly the government comes to trust him. They, they call on him to guard this reducer ray that, you know, the spider lady is going to be after, but it goes to like Congress or a congressman or yeah. Washington DC. I mean, maybe a little bit of time passed, but you don't get the sense that much time passed. And, and yeah, they're really right on board with Superman again, a different time. And it's just, yeah. it's just funny given the more modern stories where, you know, you've seen a more conflicted response to say the least. Uh, this was, this was a government and a public who were just all on board with Superman right away. It, it was interesting. And even the depictions of where it's like they would call the newspaper, then call the police. I, you know, I clocked that too. Yeah. Or they would take the guy to like the daily planet, call the chief of police, have him pick him up. Why not take him to the police and then have, you know, the newspaper people meet him at the police station, not take the armed thug to the daily planet, then have Perry call the police like that. I was like, okay, all right. You're just trying to save on sets. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I, I think that that's probably the, you know, the, the, the real answer, but I think it also speaks to just the position of prominence that the daily planet and, and Perry in, in particular occupied. You could, time. Break it, you could even break it down. The importance of the reporter, the news, the paper, yeah, what that signified, the, the level of, distinguishment and um, prominence that that actually brought, like what that meant. 
you know, um, being the one that brings the truth, the news or whatever um, to people compared to how journalism has been so obscured over the past, I don't know, 10, we'll say 10 years, you know, since, you know, Twitter and Facebook and everything exploded to where we put things out there. It shows more of the imp- what that role was. And if you sit back and think for a minute, how much more important Lois is. Like, I, I don't know if you watched, um, there's an episode of Jupiter's Legacy that when Netflix did Jupiter's Legacy, what, last year? 2000, I don't remember time. But there's a flashback where one of the characters is working like at a newspaper and it's a female and all the crap that she's given for being a woman. And I think back, like, that's how it would have been. Like, Lois would have had a hard time. So she had to be even better of a reporter. And I think it's, it makes them more, it makes the character that much stronger. Yeah. Oh, well said. Well, listen, is, I think that was pretty much everything that I wanted to hit on about these. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to get to? I mean, there's all kinds of like little things. We, if, we ha- if we had to go chapter by chapter, I have notes of just some of the puns, some of the just little things like we've mentioned. But I, I, you know, I think we've hit, uh, we've hit the big stuff. You know, there'll, there'll probably be other things that filter into conversations because there's like little funny details that happen. But yeah, I think I think we've got it. Right on. Yeah. All in all, I'm I'm glad to say I've now closed that gap in my fandom. And you know, I know uh, we and, and me in particular, you know, bagged on a lot of aspects of this, but like I said, I really do attribute a lot of that to just the nature of the serial, not even anything that this show this serial did in particular. And and also too to the comparisons to the George Reeves show. And I think tying this all together, the fact that I think we accurately, you know, uh, said that, you know, this is a, a gap or a blind spot for a lot of Superman fans. And I think the George Reeves show probably accounts for that because it was on television. It was in people's living room, not just during that initial run, but for decades after in syndication. And it became part of people's routines and was so ingrained as opposed to these more fleeting serials. And I do think, you know, in a lot of respects, the adventures of Superman did, did a lot of things better. Um, but even that aside, I, I just think that the presence that it had, it, 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 you know, usurped the, the place that maybe the Kirk Allen serials would have occupied, but mm. they still deserve their place in the canon. And, yeah. and I, again, I, I, some of my frustrations with watching it is that I am glad that I watched it. I'm glad that I now have this familiarity. I know what these are about now. Uh, so this was a, a worthwhile viewing project for me in the end. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with everything you just, you know, you stated. And I mean, how many shows of comic book based stuff do we like that there was one before it or something before it that helped pave the way craft the character, you know, they, they did these serials. And you can say they took back and like, okay, what worked? What didn't? How can we change this? Even from the mechanics of the flying, how do we do? And then the George show shows up and, you know, you got to start somewhere. It's just like, go back and watch. um, I don't know, but I was just thinking like, you know, 
now I'm relatively how close <laughs> this Kirk, you know, Adam and Superman, 1950, Superman, the moment 51, the adventure Superman 52. That is a short period of time. I mean, that's great. If you're a Superman fan, you're getting, um, but you know, for that turnaround, there's not a huge gap of, uh, there's really not a gap at all, honestly. No, that's very true. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm grateful for it. If for no other reason than it, it, it paved the way for adventures of Superman and look, you know, you continue to see examples of this, you know, as Smallville fans, right? I don't know that the Arrowverse shows would have unfolded the way they did uh, from a creative or especially technical standpoint, had it not been for all the groundwork laid by Smallville, you know, right. prior. So, so yeah, these things, you know, they, they, you know, they, they kind of build on each other. Although, of course, I would still take Smallville over <laughs> Arrowverse any day. But anyway, that's a separate conversation. But that is, you know, you're right. It is a separate conversation, but it's always interesting because, you know, uh, you look back at some of the Arrowverse, like the first season of Flash, it's amazing. You know, I mean, it is awesome. But then you go on for so long, and if you don't have the right people behind it, kind of focusing, it gets, especially with Arrow, like it just. For sure. But in any event, I, you know, I think with the Kirk Allen serials, I mean, this is, you know, one of the earliest examples right, of, of one adaptation sort of laying the groundwork for, for what's to come. So audience, I hope you enjoyed this look at the Kirk Allen movie serials. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that everyone will check out the Krypton report podcast on all major podcast platforms. Correct? Yes, sir. And you can find me Tyler at JTY Patrick, my personal Twitter or at Krypton report on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you, audience. I always appreciate you tuning in. We will be back next week with an all new episode. Until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Join the conversation by becoming part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group. Like the Digging for Kryptonite Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at Digging for Kryptonite Pod and on Twitter at Digging for KR Pod. Also, be sure to visit flatsquirrelproductions.com for more film and podcast projects, including My Comic Shop History and My Comic Shop Country. Thank you.